welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Mio Cosmetic Cases are the preferred safety touch-up system for pro makeup and hair artists. As makeup and hair professionals, we are constantly having to carry an endless amount of products in our kit, always in search of new ways to condense our kits and increase efficiency on the job. Mio Cosmetic Cases offer on-set touch-up kits that hold multiple types of makeup, helping you save valuable touch-up time on set, keeping your makeup safe and hygienic for talent and significantly lightening your travel and set bags. Join the Mio movement today at myocosmeticcases.com. Meticulously designed with pros in mind. And now, our feature presentation. Today on the Last Looks podcast, I chat with hairstylist Vito Trotter. Vito shares some fantastic stories from working on some brilliant projects. He also explains his new position as the Television Academy Governor for the Hair Branch and all that's involved to help the annual Emmy Awards happen. So if you've ever wondered how it all works, Vito explains all. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Vito. Thank you. Now, I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Vito, and when he grew up, he wanted to be... An actor. An actor. Nice. Yes. And what made you think of wanting to be an actor? When did that kind of idea pop into your head? Um, definitely in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just didn't go the route of playing sports and I became very interested in musical theater and the chorus at my high school and just got really, really involved in that. And my freshman year, I was just way too shy to ever think about auditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very much of an introvert and I decided to be a stagehand for the production of The Wizard of Oz. And it was, it, it you know, just doing that, I just, it just opened up so much for me. And I was like, wow, this is really, really amazing. And to see how everything kind of ran backstage and Mm-hmm. and all of that. And then I finally, the, the following year, I finally uh, worked up the nerve to um, audition. And I was cast in, um, I'm trying to think which one first. It was either Bye Bye Birdie first, or it was Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma first. Nice. I love how and, you had uh, to watch the Cowardly Lion do his thing. <laughs> yes, yes. And You're I'm like, still... I'm on this journey. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still friends with the kid who played the cowardly lion and Amazing. he's actually a really big deal at Disney now. He's a huge animator. Oh, that's And cool. um yeah, and he was just so talented in, in high school. It was it was truly amazing. That's awesome. So you went on to what did you just say? Bye bye birdie? Yeah, and then we and then bye bye birdie and Pfeiffer's people and there were just yeah, I ended up doing about I don't know, maybe five plays because they did two per year and just absolutely loved it. 
Absolutely loved it. Do you, do you it. still remember that first time having to go out on stage and what that kind of felt like? Yes, I was <laughs> shaking. Like I, you know, I mean, being an introvert, it's it's not a comfortable feeling. And uh, finally, now at my age, I'm. It's a little easier for me to. You know, because I, I uh, on occasion I, I do have to public speak mm-hmm. uh, at the television academy in front of people, and it's definitely easing up for me. I, but man, as a as a teenager, it was just absolutely petrifying for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But you know, once you're out on stage, I guess you just kick into it, right? Yeah, you just you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what happens from there? How do we how do we move from actor? world to well to do I went to um, Pierce College and also pursued theater there mm-hmm. and then somehow I just got a, I lost interest a little bit and uh, ended up taking a job I think at the phone company or something mm-hmm. so it was some like meaningless job several of my family members were in the hair industry oh, wow. I had a couple aunts that were hairdressers I had an uncle that was a barber and then I had this, not a first cousin, but like third or fourth cousin or whatever, but, you know, was around the family a lot. And he was a really famous hairstylist and he worked for uh, John Peters and Ellen Edwards back in the day. And I remember going to the salon to, to have him do my hair. I think, I think I was even possibly getting a perm at the time. It was the eighties. That's amazing. And uh, <laughs> so I go in and it was the first time I had been into this John Peters, Alan Edwards salon. It, uh, I'll never forget it. It was in Encino, I believe. And my cousin was just so busy and there was so much energy in the salon and just beautiful people around everywhere. And I just kind of went, wow, this is kind of amazing Mm. and you know I just saw him in action and and I was like this is kind of cool and I remember going back to work maybe the following Monday and you know at the phone company and I was just like I I can't do this I can't sit in an office yeah not with that fresh perm yeah (laughs) exactly exactly I'm like this is not happening for me and I just just snapped one day and I was like I I think I'm gonna go to beauty school and Mm. but and still even when I made the decision to go in the back of my mind was you know what this will just be like I'll just do this for like five years to save money and then so I can go on to pursue my acting yeah and because I saw how much money he was making I mean he had like four clients going at the same time right and I was like this is great and so yeah and long story short went to beauty school and this amazing beauty school over by the Beverly Center that's not there anymore. And then and then I took a bunch of finishing classes at Vidal Sassoon and when they were in Santa Monica. And then that's how I started that journey into hair. And then Jesus, how thirty some years later I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, must have been a good good decision, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was it, it was meant to be for yeah. sure. So after you'd done your finishing courses and things like that, where where did you end up working? Did you go into a salon? Yes, I did. I I did salon. I think my very first job was at Carlton in the Beverly Center, which uh, I which is unbelievable to think about in the eighties. It was like I wish I could go back there for like a week because that was truly an amazing time. 
And then just from there, I just, you know, went on and worked salons in Beverly Hills and then wound up on Ventura Boulevard. And then eventually, talk about full circle, ended up working for Alan Edwards uh, in Studio City uh, in 1994. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. But did you ever actually work with your cousin or no? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we actually never worked together, but uh, but yeah. And that was amazing. Alan is such a talented, talented hairstylist. And we were doing a lot of hair shows and traveling and uh, Veda was backing us. And it, it, was a re- it was a fun time. It was definitely a really fun time. That's awesome. So throughout the different salons and things like that, were there any mentors that taught you stuff that you really, really, uh, thank goodness I was working under them? Absolutely. There was the two that I can think of are honestly Alan, who Mm. I learned so much from his, you know, just his, his free form of cutting is just unbelievable. And then there was this girl that I, early on that I assisted, uh, she was actually, and I think she's still doing hair in a salon. She's amazing, amazing. So I would say those two really kind of uh, inspired me and, and kind of mentored me along the way. That's very cool. And so how do you make that transition from salon work into the television film world? Well, interesting story. So at some point mid to late 90s after doing hair shows with Alan and then I was also an educator for the product line Aveda Mm -hmm. and Aveda at that time they were opening flagship salon in New York City in Soho so I had mentioned to some of my Aveda bosses out here I'm like god I would really you know I would love to you know go work at that salon and I just you know I just thought it was going to be the most amazing thing, this three-story salon in Soho. So I went through some interviews and such, and I ended up booking the job. And I was like, all right, I'm moving moving to New York. Mm -hmm. And um, I was still working in a salon out here. So I, I gave away all my clients, so, you know, got, got rid of my apartment, sold the car, sold my furniture. I was like packed and ready to go. And then some health issues with my mom kind of happened about a week before. And uh, she got really, really, really sick. And uh, so I, I'm like, well, she'll, she'll bounce back. So I called Veda and I said, well, I, I can't start next week. And they were totally understanding. Mm. And they said, you know, take your time. And anyway, my mom never recovered. Uh, She just continued to become sicker and sicker. And after about four months, I'm like, well, I don't think it's in the cards for me to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, called them up, had to say, I'm so sorry, but you know, I just, I can't make it due to some health issues with my mom. So now here I am in LA with no job. (laughs) no clients. Mm. And I was just like, okay, now what? And at the time, my best friend was an up and coming music video director. Oh, cool. And I just basically, you know, he knew the story, obviously, that I couldn't go. And I just begged him. I'm like, come on, man, you got to start letting me do some of these, do hair for some of these music videos. Yeah, yeah. And he did. Started doing music videos, and along the way, I met this incredible makeup artist from Spain, and we became fast friends. And I was just sitting home one day, waiting, you know, on the next music video or whatever. And she calls me up, and she goes, "Hey," she goes, "I just heard about this job for Telemundo, which is a 
a Latin language network mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing these two shows and they're looking for hairstylists. And I said, Oh, great. And so she gave me the number. I called them up and they said, yeah, can you come in and interview? And I went in and they hired me like on the spot. So they're like, all right, you're starting next week. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Still at this time, <laughs> I knew nothing about the union. I, yeah. Zero. Like joining the union never even entered my mind. I was just looking for the next gig. Yeah. It was uh, in front of a live audience. There, it was like two sitcoms, but in Spanish. Mm. So I did a season of that, which was like over 30 some days or whatever. And it finished and I went, okay, well, that was a fun little thing. What's next? And I'm sitting home one day and I get a letter from local 706. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell's this? Yeah. And I open it up and they're like, congratulations, you, you've earned enough days to, to join 706. And I was like, huh. <laughs> I was like, wow. And so I investigated a little more and I'm like, oh, there's a union for TV and film. Like I literally was that clueless. Dude, I don't know how many people you should be telling this story to. <laughs> oh, I know. It, 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 this is like the easiest ride I've heard of ever. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. And uh, I was like, I know it pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went, huh, this is interesting. I'm like, all right, well, if it helps me find work, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember going to their little, before their big, beautiful office building now, they had this little tiny house converted into an office in North Hollywood. And I show up and they explain it to me and I write them a check and, okay, congratulations, you're in the union. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. And so that was in early 2000 and then the rest is history i you know i've been working ever since so yeah. it's um it, it, it you know it's just kind of cool how it happened for me i know a lot of people really oh, struggle. it's awesome it's, it's nice to it's nice to hear a story like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you were first doing those couple of shows like were you the only hairstylist there or were you working under somebody no there was two hair and two makeup Okay. And so the other hairstylist had got hired first. So I kind of riding on his coattails, so to speak. But then at some point, a couple up a couple weeks in, or maybe, you know, three, four weeks in, he got fired. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and uh, so basically, they're like, you know, asking me now to find another hairstylist to to bring in. And I guess the show was not union. And then it flipped, which is, I think, how it all happened to, oh, awesome. to get in there. Yeah, yeah. I knew this one hairstylist who also worked in a salon and I'm like, Hey, do you want to work a couple days a week, you know, doing these shows? And, you know, he came in and, and then, I mean, you know, for my first job, all of a sudden I had, you know, responsibility and yeah, I wouldn't call it a department head position, but the makeup artist there was, she was, she was already in the union. So she, she, she knew, knew what ropes. was going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, talk about, that for me, talk about learning as you're as you're going. You yeah, know, because, I was gonna uh, say I, it's like such a I different environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, all I had done was music videos and photo shoots. Right. So it was it was interesting, but it was good. It was good. It was a great learning experience, and people were very nice. And so I was like, well, this is cool. If I can join the union and do more of this, I'm like, yeah. I kind of dig it, you know. And then I'm not, you know, waiting for the next music video to call me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was going to ask, 
coming up through those experiences, was there any advice that was kind of given to you by someone that has stuck with you? I wouldn't say in those early experiences, but, mm-hmm. you know, once I joined the union, yeah, I definitely got a lot of great advice from some people along the way, for sure. This really lovely lady who's no who's no longer with us, uh, Candy Connery, who was in, our, in 706, mm-hmm. I kind of became fast friends with her as well. And she... She was, she actually taught the journeyman class, which was amazing because here, you know, here I am fresh in the union. And and so I did, you know, the journeyman classes with her and she was amazing, amazing, amazing with wigs and um, just really kept in touch with her even after the journeyman classes. And she always gave me just, you know, really good advice and just a really awesome, awesome lady. It was sad to lose her many years ago but I'm sure always good to kind of have that person who has just yeah solid advice and yeah absolutely so much that's awesome now since joining the union you've done so much work so I would love to just hear a little bit more about some of the projects that you've worked on and what a couple of of your favorites are and why Okay. Well, kind of early on, I did a really cool film called Wonderland with mm-hmm. uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah. And um, it was just thrilling because it was the, the cast was amazing. And I really, really love things that are a true story. Yeah. Or based on a true story. That's kind of like my, the thing that I, you know, I really like a lot. It was just, it was just interesting and it was just really cool. And Val was just such an amazing actor and I I just really like that and we were you know we were in some really cool spots we shot at the not at the exact house on Wonderland Avenue where the murders took place but we I think we shot at the house next door which was an exact uh replica you know the exact same floor plan as the house so that was really cool. And that, you know, again, that was very early on and it was just really exciting. So for those who may not have seen it, what's the, what is the true story? Uh, the true story, it's based on murders that took place in Laurel Canyon and basically the porn star, John Holmes, who uh, was involved in these murders. Oh, wow. And... Um, so that's kind of what it was based on. So it was a very, very interesting script and uh, it was cool. It was yeah, cool it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. And then to do, like, was uh, I'm guessing, was it a little bit of a period piece as well? Because it was back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was oh, cool. 70s. I think it was like early, early 70s, I want to say. Yeah, cool. Another one that I did was a, a show called Arrested Development. And it was just... <laughs> I also love a good comedy and my God, this show just talk about laughing from like the minute you get there till the minute you leave. I, I've never <laughs> laughed so hard. It's awesome. And, I mean, that show did so well. It was, it was yeah. really quite a hit. So yeah, absolutely. And so anyway, I became really close with Jessica Walters who played the, the mother on the show mm-hmm. and um, I did her hair and I'll never forget our very first day of filming. Well, I had met her the day before for a photo shoot. Yeah. And she was just really funny and we got along really well. And so our very first day of filming at Fox Studios, I think it was like maybe stage four or five. Anyway, I get her done that morning and she's like, all right, let's go to set. And so we leave the trailer and, and I'm walking with her to, to set. 
and I open the door for her to the to the sound stage, mm. and we start to walk in, and it's very very dark. And as she takes a couple steps in, she yells at the top of her lungs. Now this is our first day of filming. <laughs> she yells at the top of her lungs, "Who do I have to fuck to get a forty watt light bulb around here?" <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> Literally, I was like, oh my God, I love this woman so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only is she making an entrance, but she's also starting the job off on the right foot as far as safety yeah. goes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because <laughs> how many exactly. times do you walk into a stage and it's pitch dark and you walk into something? So, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but she was, um, God, was she a hoot. She just, she was just such a cool lady. That was a that was a very interesting production. And then, you know, we had Liza Minnelli on and, you know, another legend. And Liza would be so funny. She'd walk in in the morning with a cigarette. And I literally would look at her and go, Liza, you can't smoke in the trailer. She's like, so <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm telling Liza Minnelli she can't smoke in the trailer. Like, OK. Uh, it's very brave of you. Yeah. <laughs> She's another, oh my God, she was awesome too. Talk about a, a treat. I did another little movie several years ago called Some Kind of Beautiful. It mm -hmm. did absolutely horrible at the box office, but I had so much fun on it because I got to work with Selma Hayek, who I absolutely love. And so I got to, to do her hair and we just had such a blast. It, she was just so lovely and fun and sweet and creative and you know I could just go on and on it's Selma Hayek <laughs> you, you never know how a project's gonna do when it comes out and exactly I, mean, I would say most of us don't overly care we just want the experience I mean we want it to do well for producers right. and the actors and all that type of thing but it's not like you go on to a production or say yes to something because you're like this is gonna be a hit Right, exactly. You just want the experience of the actual working experience to be fun and enjoyable and challenging and all of that type of thing. I think it yeah, gets a little um, dangerous when you start picking jobs just because you think somehow, I don't know, yeah, no, is going to come from it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I know, and you know, that's a that's a that's a valid point, and I never really do. I I really do, you know, I go based on is it a good script and. Is it cool actors that I, you know, would like to work with? That's kind of, you know, I never, I never go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to win an Emmy or, oh, it's going to be a huge hit. Mm. I just, you know, creatively, I like just a great script, something I can sink my teeth into and, and then take it from there. Yeah. Have you ever worked on anything? I did um, at one point work on something where I read the script before my interview and loved the script. I was like, this is great. By the time we started shooting, the script had changed a little. By the time we had finished shooting, it had changed so much that I was just like, if I read this again, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't enjoy it as much as I did. That, you know what? It's I funny you say that. It. Yeah, that totally happened. That totally happened to me not so long ago, to tell you yeah. the truth. It's quite um, interesting. I, and you're like, why are you changing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read, I don't want to say the name of it, no, no, but it, it's it, totally fine. it was, it was a series mm. and this, the big, you know, the, the first script and how it was pitched to me was so cool. And I was so into it. 
And oh my God, by the end of the series, it had turned into something so completely different that I was like, wow, if I would have known that this was, you know, the direction that it was going, I probably Mm. would have turned it down, to be honest. Right. I mean, that must be a lot with, it must happen a lot more with television, I guess, right? Because I mean, you only, you don't get to, I mean, it's very rare for you to get to read all of the scripts up front. Correct. Getting them as you go, right? Right, exactly. So you don't even know where those journeys and story arcs and all that type of stuff are heading so yeah exactly exactly cool and is it i haven't done a lot of television so is it the case sometimes that they get greenlit off just maybe the first two or three episodes that have been written and the rest of it hasn't even been finished yet before they start shooting or not sure, but mm. I think that when showrunner or a writer is pitching it to a certain network, I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously it's going off the pilot script, but I also mm. think that they kind of have to give their vision of where, you know, the arc and where the story is going. Yeah. I would think, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine a network would green light something and just not have any idea how it's going to unfold right but just the smaller details and the actual scripts themselves may not be finished right right it's so fascinating and yeah and and i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing you know when you do a film it's kind of nice because when the script's done the script is done and you you know you break it down and you go off of that and with television it's like oh my god sometimes like you're getting new pages like every day or every other day, like where things are, you know, changing. Yeah. I mean, that's so, happened in movies as well. A, a, a little bit of a nightmare. Yeah. It, it, it does happen. <laughs> yeah. But not for as long, maybe. <laughs> right. Know, dealing with that for months on end. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. So getting to the point where you have in your career, what kind of attributes do you think have helped you get to this stage? Let's see. I think, you know, being a really, and I'm sure you'll agree with a lot of these, being a really good listener and, you know, really listening to what the actor wants. And it's really like a a group effort, honestly, trying to give the actor what they want, the, the director you know, the costume designer, and then, you know, kind of your input too. So those are like the four people that I really, really try and listen and communicate with. And I think that's just, you know, that's a, it's just a really big attribute for me is, you know, getting all of that down. And then obviously, you know, in our, when you're department heading, you got to somewhat be good at multitasking because there's a lot of different, a lot of different wheels going on at the same time that you got to try and juggle and, and stay afloat. So I would, I would say that I think listening and communicating is just really key. Yeah. And I think as hairstylists that have come from salon background, and if you did well in a salon, it's because of those those things listening to your clients being able absolutely. to communicate with your client Ab- absolutely it just really continues on into this line of yeah. work so yeah i i remember being in a salon and you know seeing a coworker or something and you know the client comes in and says oh you know i'd like an inch off the bottom and the stylus ends up cutting five or six inches off mm. and it's like how did you not hear what they asked for yeah or at least you know? confirm like this is how much what you right we're L- thinking you know. in inches because <laughs> everyone's inches very different <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like how you know so that's always been a 
big thing for me is really just listening and, and, you know, trying to give them what they want and advising them, mm-hmm. you know, what you think would be best. But, if, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, in a salon, you got to make the client happy. And in TV or film, you have to make several people happy. Yeah, no, I think that's totally makes sense. I love it. So what do you find most enjoyable about this line of work? I would say that what I really get the biggest kick out of now is is just transforming an actor into somebody completely different. Mm-hmm. And that's where, and it kind of goes back to me where I love, love, love a true story or based on a true story. Yeah. Um, you know, I did uh, a couple of years ago, I was the key for Joy Zapata and uh, we did a Clint Eastwood film called Richard Jewell, which was based on the Atlanta bomber of the Olympics. I forget what year it was, but when they had the Olympics in Atlanta and there was a bomber at the park and the actor, Paul Walter Hauser, that they got to play Richard Jewell. And then Kathy Bates played his mother and doing them and watching them a hundred percent transform into these people. Mm. To me, that's just the biggest thrill. I, I just absolutely love creating that character. Yeah, I just, I just get so much joy out of that. What is your process for that? Like working with all the individuals involved? Well, Joy did a lot. She did a lot of really great research on it. And we, you know, pulled pictures and we, you know, we just found like these little like news clips with Richard Jewell. And I actually found a really cool thing where he was on the real Richard Jewell was on Saturday night live, like, you know, years and years and years ago after he got it. Cause they had, they had thought he was the bomber and he wasn't. And so after he was acquitted, you know, of course, Saturday night live wanted him to be on Saturday night live. <laughs> yeah, and you. so, <laughs> but yeah, just finding all these cool clips and, and stuff like that. It was just, it was amazing. And then the mother who Kathy Bates played the mother, mm. but the real mother was still alive. Oh, wow to set oh wow I was like when she walked on set I'm not kidding you like I got goosebumps yeah (laughs) and she was she was just so cool and but yeah just to watch that it was amazing and uh, Sam Rockwell played the the attorney and the real attorney was still alive and he came to set as well so it was just it was just so amazing to to see all of that and you know we actually filmed in exact you know well we obviously we filmed in the park where the bombing actually happened and we filmed in the lawyer's office where you know the actual real office they used and so it was just cool I just love that I just love true stories I, I just find it fascinating it is. You've just jogged my memory about something, actually, about when when somebody visits set that is, you know, being portrayed in, in your uh-huh. story and how freaky that can kind of be. Because I yeah. was on a, um, it was a, a Ted Bundy thing. So you're like, you know, uh-huh. come on, serial killer situation. Right. And it was the, the more of the story of one of his long-term girlfriends. And she had a daughter who was not Ted Bundy's daughter, but the two of them visited set and mm. to me oh man, it was just mind-blowing just tr- you know try not to stare try not to just it's just like oh my right. god that right. is her she was in a long-term relationship with Ted Bunn like that's insanity to me yeah and that's so no. fascinating and just so crazy that she was visiting the set of a film that was kind of you know about a 
part of her life that I'm sure she'd rather forget. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it's those crazy moments that you're just like, when would you ever normally be in this situation? <laughs> no, I know. It's just amazing. What's that old saying? Art imitating life? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, yeah, very, very. Cool. Well, she didn't come to set, but when, when we were doing Wonderland, the ex-wife of John Holmes mm. was still alive. Wow. And Val Kilmer went to visit her. Yeah. And they literally like sat down and she gave Val a necklace, like one of John Holmes necklaces. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, you know what I mean? Like it was just that kind of stuff. It was just, yeah, I just, it just absolutely fascinates me. And I find it just super exciting in our, in our industry. Yeah. I don't think sometimes I, I don't know whether I just take it for granted or I just don't think about it. And you're just kind of, you know, working along and then you're like, hang on a minute. Oh my goodness. We're actually standing in the place where blah, 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 this happened. Or, oh my goodness. Cause you get to go into places that not everyone gets access to. So right. sometimes you just really mm -hmm. have to stop and look around and go, wow, this is actually really cool. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know it's, yeah, same thing. Like years ago, uh, did this little film and we shot it at the old ambassador hotel on Wilshire that is now since torn down, mm -hmm. but you know, it's where Robert Kennedy was killed in the kitchen. Wow. And literally I got to go in the kitchen and stand right where he was shot and died. <laughs> and it was like, all right, this is, this is really kind of freaky. It's freaky. It's interesting. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. It's a lot of a lot of feelings that probably go on when you're yeah, in a spot like yeah. That. It's just, but it, you know, it just boils back in it. You know, just history. I, you know, I've I've just always been a huge fan of of history, and I, I I love all that. So, I'm guessing from what you were wanting to do as a teenager and be more on the acting side of things. Mm -hmm. I assume you have quite an amazing kind of respect for your cast that you work with. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Like crazy, crazy respect. And there's, you know, I mean, we're not always on greatest project or, you know, with the greatest actors and, you know, I still always love the process, but then there's those very, very special times when, mm. when you're working with someone who is just so amazing that I just find myself sitting in front of the monitor and I just get lost in the performance. And that happened with years ago, I did a series called The Shield and one season Forrest Whitaker was on and another season Glenn Close was on. Wow. And I mean, talk about a masterclass in acting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just, even when I didn't have to be on set, I found myself sitting in front of the monitor, just mesmerized by how absolutely amazing they were. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's awesome. So what kind of project have you not worked on that you would like to? Well, <laughs> <laughs> the really, really good, like thriller, you know, um, not a scary movie, but a thriller. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I've never really... I've never, I don't think that I've ever done that. And it just so, <laughs> and a funny story. I, uh, a couple years ago, I did a commercial with Brian Cranston. Oh yeah. Who is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And um, they called me up to, to do him and they wanted me to turn him into the twins, the twin girls from The Shining. <laughs> 
It was for Mountain Dew. It was a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, cool. (laughs) Well, he played a couple different parts. He played the Jack Nicholson part. And then at the very end of the commercial, he's the twin girls from The Shining. Nice. And so I had to do the wig for that and I remember I just wanted it to be perfect and you know they the costume designer did the dress exactly like the little twin girls in The Shining and and then as I studied photos from that the little girls in the in The Shining they had this kind of interesting white clip in their hair and I'm like, I've got to find that clip. I've got to find that clip. (laughs) And um I had to end up like making it. And so I made, you know, I made this little clip and painted it and, you know, and it, and it was, it was truly amazing. It looked spot on. And I, you know, it was just a one day job and, and I met him and, and he was super, super cool and nice. And I really liked him. And it's so funny. And I thought after, you know, him, we took some photos afterwards and, and I'm like, you know, I have a feeling I'm going to work with him again someday. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, it just resonated with me. I'm like, I got to make that happen because he's really amazing. Yeah. And sure enough, about two weeks ago, <laughs> I get a phone call, or actually my agent did. And uh, he has this new, a new series on Showtime called Your Honor. And it's a thriller. And they, I think they shot the first season in New Orleans. It takes place in New Orleans. And, and then the second, their second, it was supposed to be a limited series, just one and done. Yeah. And I guess it did so well on Showtime, they decided to, they want to do more of it. That's cool. And so anyway, I got hired to department head that, and uh, which I'm starting, I actually start later today. So I've been watching season one mm-hmm. and oh my, I don't have Showtime. So which is why I didn't watch it originally, but yeah. you know, they sent me the first season and I'm literally on my couch watching it. And I'm like having the most horrible anxiety because it is so, (laughs) it is so dark and and a thriller. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, you're going to have so much fun sinking your teeth into that one. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, I don't know that I, I haven't been this excited in a long time to start a project. Oh, I love that. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited to work with him again and it's great cast and yeah, it'll be fun. That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's so much fun. Hey, having worked in different roles on different projects in different teams, what are some professional ethics that really resonate strongly with you and you feel like maybe more people in our line of work need to kind of grab onto? Well, for me, I just, and I really, you know, even if I'm a day day player or a key or if I'm department heading, I really, I mean, ethics are a really, really big part of our job, you know, and it's just, I always just try and go in and do the best job. I, you know, I show up professional mm-hmm. and, you know, I've always been one of those people from when I was a kid, it's like dress for success type of thing. Yeah. So I always just try and be groomed and look good and just, you know, as far as, you know, and, and just, and I tell my team this a lot too, just, you know, stay in your lane, you know, we're, Yes, it's makeup and hair, but we do hair. So you don't need to like butt your nose into makeup and just, you know, just steer clear of the, you know, gossip and drama. Yeah. You know, that's to me, that's just a huge thing and it's just unnecessary. And, you know, a lot of times we, we, a lot of people, they just really lose track of how blessed we are in this industry. And God, we really, truly are. I mean, we make a really good living 
we get to be creative, we get to travel, we get to, we get fed, we get, I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I still find it magical all these years later, you know, 20, 22 years later, I still find it, I still find it pretty magical. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it through your excitement for this next job. So that's, Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) I, I literally can't wait. I'm going to do a wig. I'm going to do a wig fitting today. And I just like, I don't know that I've ever been so excited to drive up to Santa Clarita, (laughs) 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 but I am, I really, really am. And for those who don't know, Santa Clarita is outside of Los Angeles and it's a little bit of a hike for most people. So yeah. <laughs> For me in Long Beach, it's like, a, it's a, yeah, it's another planet. It That's feels like it's so far away. So I would love to know, because we're always learning new stuff all the time. So mm-hmm. what is something new and exciting that you've learned recently? Well, a couple things. Well, about two or three years ago, I what I really need to learn more with textured hair Mm -hmm. because I never did it in the salon and when I first joined the union I really never truly did it either Mm -hmm. and so I'm like I'm like I you know I gotta I gotta learn the ins and outs of textured hair yeah and so I've just been learning from different people and and sometimes I'll just you know I'll call up my friend Camille friend and I'll be like hey what do you think of this product and and what do you think of this, you know, this tool and blah, blah, blah. And she'll kind of, you know, give me her input and, uh, you know, or I'll just ask different people. And so I've been kind of, uh, I've been kind of learning how to, you know, work with textured hair a bit. And one of the things that I've done to learn, and it was really cool, is I have a, I have a really good friend who has textured hair. And he actually came to me last year and he's like, hey, can you help me find a stylist? I want to, I need to find somebody to cut and color my hair. And I said, okay. And so I started asking people and I don't know, it must've been a time while it was kind of during the pandemic and, you know, like nobody wanted to do new people in the salon and, and then, you know, people were just super busy with their right. You know, so I, I couldn't find anyone for him. They're kind of playing catch up, weren't they? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and I remember calling Camille and I said, I said, Camille, and she's like, you can do it. She goes, just, just do it. And, you know, (laughs) I was like, okay. And so he agreed to let me do his hair. And so he, you know, comes over to my house and I colored it and I cut it and it came out really, really good. He was thrilled. And I was like, I was like, wow, I just cut and colored textured hair and it actually came out really great. That's awesome. And so I was like, you know, really proud of that. And now I'm, I cut and color them. I relax them. I do, I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is this is not bad i get it it's you know yeah so it's um, the repetitive nature of it as well i mean him you know coming back each time and doing the maintenance and yeah yeah so it's kind of cool and then the other thing that i really i don't know if this happens to you but i get sometimes i get lost on instagram with all these hair tutorial videos oh yeah i mean there's so much to watch and look at (laughs) so much to watch but i have learned some amazing updo techniques nice and i'm like wow this is really cool and then i'll you know i'll try it out and i'll be like all right this is this is amazing so yeah i would say those those two things within the past couple of years of what i've really been learning a lot of that's awesome i love it now i know you have recently become a governor is it of the television academy 
Yes. So can you explain that to me? Sure. So the Television Academy is the company that puts on the Emmy Awards. Mm-hmm. So they put on the Emmy Awards and all of our crafts that are on set, but they have, so they have governors for a lot of different, so they have two governors for each category. So there's like, say, casting has two governors, stunts has two governors, makeup has one governor, hair has one governor, but you know, makeup and hair is together. So there's like your, your two governors. Yeah. Um, choreography, actors, like, so everything is represented at the Television Academy. So there's probably about 30 some governors. Okay. And we're kind of like on the, basically like the board of directors for like a big company. So we, I have, once a month I go to a a board meeting Mm. where we just discuss business and we vote on certain things. We're basically just kind of constantly shaping kind of the rules of uh, the Emmys and how people submit. And so, you know, just every year they're just tweaking it to try and make it more fair and like an even playing field for people to get nominated and to actually win. Yeah. So we do, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of meetings and voting. And so that, that, that's one aspect of it. Like right now what I'm doing because the Emmys are coming up in September is all the hair the people that are submitting to mm. be nominated for an Emmy, I pretty much have to go through most of those submissions. So we have to make sh- you know th- make sure the technical description is accurate, stuff like that. And then a lot of the submissions now too, you can you can put four people on the ticket from your team, but mm. if it's a really really big production, like say The Voice or Dancing with the Stars, where they have you know twenty stylists working, yeah, yeah you can petition for four more. Wow. You can potentially have eight people on the ticket, but you have to petition for the the other, how many you want to add beyond the four. So you need a good reason. And you need a good reason. So there, and there's just rules to follow, like, especially like for period and character and contemporary hair. Something that we don't accept is like a background supervisor or someone who's just doing background. Mm-hmm. So there's there's eligible titles and ineligible titles. Right. So when we get these submissions with these petitions, I have to go through them and kind of, you know, they send call sheets. So when they submit, they have to, you know, if they're petitioning, they have to send five call sheets. They have to send the credits. So I have to like go through all of that and make sure that the petitions are eligible titles and not ineligible titles. So how many people are like how many how many how much how many there's so many (laughs) (laughs) how do you do this (laughs) it's a lot of work it's a lot of work you know on on average how many people are submitting not people but productions I suppose like projects it's usually over a hundred yeah I was gonna say it must be yeah yeah because it's also you know the Emmys is worldwide yeah it's not it's not just what we're doing here in LA or New York I mean Mm. it's it's productions from Europe, Australia, I mean, you know, anywhere in the world. Yeah. And a challenge that I've hit this year that is one of the things that I really need to focus on is in Europe, you know, their titles are different than ours. You know, right. here in America, we have department head, assistant department head slash key, mm. and then we have hairstylist. Uh, there they have makeup designer. Well, first of all, they do hair and makeup together. Yeah. So, 
when they submit for an Emmy, they have to pick one or the other. Yeah. I mean, that's not so, just Europe. They do that, yeah, through England, right. Australia, New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> most of the country. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So I have to, you know, so it, you know, I got to figure out, okay, hair designer is our equivalent of department head. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's just a lot of that, you know, just trying to figure out again, the eligible titles and the ineligible titles. And so when you're doing this and you're on a job, are you doing this in your sleep? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I, I always have my laptop with me. So sometimes wow. at lunch I'll work on it or on the weekends or, yeah. and honestly, this is, this is the really busy time for me right now. Yeah. You know, once I think next week is, or I think later this week, the submissions are kind of all done and finished and in. Mm. And then, so then it becomes a little easier for me. Then, then it's the fun part. Then I get to go to the Emmy awards and the governor's ball and, you know, all of those fun parties and stuff like that. So that's, <laughs> kind of the payoff you know for kind of what I'm doing right now that's awesome so how it works so they they submit their projects you kind of weed through to make sure everything's how it should be correct and then what happens their submissions are all approved then it goes mm -hmm. to a first round of voting and um, it's the members of the television academy that are correct. voting and is correct. that from all different areas like not yes. just hair and makeup but other areas are voting at that point well no only i'm 99 percent sure that for hair and makeup categories mm. it's i think it's just hair and makeup people voting for that first lot of voting yeah yeah okay i, I think yeah i'm pretty sure that's how it works and then it go you know and then it goes down to i think five or six or something like that or maybe 10 I don't know it goes down to the final ballot yeah yeah awesome for the Emmys yeah it's exciting and um what so yeah it's you just think of go, getting yeah doing that getting that job doing that position well there's a hair governor and a makeup governor yeah. and then we eat we each have five people under us and we call it a peer group executive committee Okay. So with hair and makeup, there's two governors and then there's 10 people on, there's five hair, five makeup on the PGEC. Okay. And um, the peer group executive committee, they also help in shaping the rules and, and doing stuff like that. You know, we kind of just bounce ideas off of each other and, you know, try and go forward. So, so is that where you started? You were that's where that I started. Yes. Yeah. So many years ago, my friend Judy Crown was the governor. And she asked me to be on the PGEC. I had no idea what it meant. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you did that. And with the PGEC, you have to show up to like two or three meetings a year for a couple right. hours. I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of did that. And then from there, I think Monty became the governor and he asked me to stay on and, and do that. And, and then after Monty was out, Mary Guerrero, who I adore, was the governor right before me. Mm -hmm. And she had she also had me on her PGEC. And she was coming up to where her term was. She was terming out because you can only do it for so many years. Right. She called me up last year. And um, well, first of all, when you're on the PGEC, you serve like a couple of years and then you have to take a year off. Right. And then you can, and then you can come back and do a couple more years and then you got to take. So I was on the PGEC in 2020. Then I had to take 2021 off because I had served too many years. Right. And it just so happens that Mary was terming out and all of a sudden she 
just called me one day and she's like, hey, I want to recommend you for governor. And I went, huh? <laughs> Who, me? I'm like, I'm like, what? And she goes, no, she goes, you know, you've served on this a long time and, and, and you and I are kind of aligned in our thoughts of, you know, where we want things to go. And she goes, I really think you'd be a great governor. And I'm like, she goes, you know, can I, can I put you up for it? And I, I go, yeah, I guess I go, you know, I, I, I'd be, I, I'm open to the idea. Hmm. And so I kind of thought that it was like pass the baton type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then come to find out, oh no, you, it has to be voted on. Right. And I was like, oh God, I'm like, <laughs> why did I agree to this? I'm like, if it doesn't, you know, if I don't get voted in, then I'm going to feel shitty and you know, whatever. And yeah. so, um, Anyway, so then like two, three weeks go by and I have, I don't hear from her and I'm like, hmm, I go, well, maybe I, you know, whatever. If I didn't get it, I didn't get it. Mm. And then she just texted me one day. She goes, you were voted in unanimously. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of how it all came to place. And then she stepped down in December and I took over in January. I had to go to this big two day orientation. Mm-hmm. And you have to sign a bunch of uh, NDAs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But I have to say, I was, again, super nervous yeah. about, you know, doing this. After the orientation, it just was, it felt so amazing. And everyone at the Academy is so, so wonderful and so nice. You know, all these different, all these other different governors that are producers and directors and casting and stunts and choreography. And literally, they just all come up and start talking to you and welcome you. And it's kind of like a big family, you know, and and it's really nice. And once a month when we do our board meetings, we show up at the Academy and they have the most amazing caterer and they put on, you know, they do this beautiful dinner for us and drinks and and we just kind of, you know hang out and, and talk about business and vote on certain things. And so it, it, it's really nice. It's, you know, it's different than being on set, but mm-hmm. it's still I'm with creative people. And it's just like a, it's just like a really nice family. So I kind of just turned my nerves into now like, wow, this is really cool. And I'm going to savor every minute of it, you know, because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a, it's a two year term. And then I, I could, you know, if I, if I want to, I could, run again and do four years and then I think after four years you're termed out I'm just savoring every moment of it yeah. you know it's just really it's just really nice and that's awesome yeah nice I'm excited another community to kind of be involved yeah with. yeah yeah it really is and you know just and I've made some really good friends and we get invited as as governors we get invited to like really cool interesting parties and events and so it you know it's just it's just kind of fun it's just kind of really really fun and yeah you know it's a little more work than I thought but I got it sounds like it balances out with the parties and the good catering so I think you're okay exactly exactly (laughs) exactly that's awesome So. so I would love to just have you visualize yourself in your trailer okay your everything's set up You've got your station set up how you like it. And if I was to come in and take one tool or product away from you, what would freak you out? (laughs) (laughs) What would you be like? No, don't take that one thing, Jamie Lee, please. My temp to airbrush. Your temp to airbrush. 
Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one tool I just can't live without. I like how quickly you answered that as well. You're like, yep, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I use it so much. Yeah. You know, the little, the little mini one, the little uh, for hair. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that tool. That's probably one of my favorite tools. And uh, what one person would you like to hear on the podcast? I would love to hear Beatrice D'Alba, who a hairstylist who won the Academy Award for free, the movie Frida. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And um, yeah, she's got some great stories and, and she, you know, she's another one I, I kind of look up to her, look up to as a little bit of a mentor. She's You've the one who uh, we have worked together awesome. and phenomenal hairstylist. And yeah. she's the one that, who actually turned me on to the Selma Hayek job. And because obviously she did Selma for Frida and, Mm -hmm. um, and she taught me, uh, which I never knew how to do before. She taught me how to do a fracture wrap for, you know, under a wig and yeah, she's a great one, man. That's awesome. Well, Vito, it has been so awesome speaking to you today. You've taught me a lot just in this one conversation. So that's amazing. I never knew anything about the governor position with the Emmys. Love knowing more about that stuff. Yay. Um, and just thank you so much for your time. And thank you. It was uh, a real pleasure to be on and, and I'll look forward to uh, hearing it. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to hear back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thank you so much. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people. <laughs>